0: Hey, it's Anna Sale, and I want to thank you for listening to Death, Sex, and Money, where I explore the big questions and hard choices that are often left out of polite conversation. You can hear new episodes ad-free every week on Amazon Music, where you can find Death, Sex, and Money and all of your Slate favorites without the ads.
1: It gets to that point in your life where you're just, you're like, y'all want to fire me for it, then fire me for it, you know? I can't keep my head down anymore and I can't keep just kissing your butt anymore.
0: This is Death, Sex, and Money. The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. We need to talk about more. I'm Anna Sale. In the story of Mary Gundl and her TikTok, it all comes down to March 28th. Before that date, Mary's TikTok is about a lot of things in her everyday life. Going to the zoo with her family.
1: Where's the hippo at? Oh, he's over there sunbathing.
0: DIY hair extensions.
1: It feels really good for it being synthetic. It is a little shiny, but we can tone that down with some dry shampoo.
0: And relationship drama.
1: I know we've had our differences, and I know we've had our ups and downs, and I know... We have both done and said some fucked up shit
0: after march twenty eighth, it becomes all about one thing, the behemoth American convenience store Dollar General, where Mary was employed for nearly three and a half years as a store manager.
1: Well, it's another fine morning here at five a m in the morning.
0: On that day, Mary was working in her store alone, as she often was. And she responded to a TikTok user complaining about the state of their local Dollar General, with its disorganized aisles and out-of-stock items.
1: So let me give you a little bit of insight as to why that store probably looks like that. A lot of the times, it's not lack of the employees working. It's not the lack of the store manager doing their job. It's the simple fact that the store manager probably just gave up because they're tired of it.
0: Then Mary decided to go in.
1: So this is going to be part two of my retail series.
0: She made six more videos touring her store.
1: Your boss breathing down your back, wondering, why isn't this done? Why isn't this done? Why isn't this done?
0: She talked about low pay, the company cutting hours, and how she worked constantly to keep the store running.
1: I am always here. I basically live here. Even my customers say it when they see me. They wonder when I'm actually gonna get a day off. I have had my crew literally kick me out of the store and tell me to go home because I am here so much.
0: And she talked about how requests to her bosses to improve conditions had gone unanswered. When something goes wrong at a Dollar General store, like a missed delivery or a broken door or a robbery, employees are told to put in a ticket.
1: What the fuck is a ticket gonna do?
0: Mary's videos went viral.
1: Wow, guys. Holy shit.
0: With hundreds of thousands of views within a single day.
1: I did not for one second believe that these videos would blow the fuck up like they did.
0: She was fired three days later on April 1st. But the hashtag put in a ticket became a rallying cry. I know this is some weird ass shit. Does anybody know the hashtag put in a ticket? I just wanted to come on here for a minute and
1: officially put in hashtag put in a ticket. I don't know if you follow this Dollar General drama or not. Hashtag put in a ticket. Well,
0: hey, y'all, let's talk about Dollar General and their corporate greed. And welcome back to another episode of exposing Dollar General and their corporate slavery. Listen to your people because times they are changing, honey. In the past few months, Dollar General employees have connected and staged walkouts. Dollar General did not respond to our request for comment by deadline. But in previous statements, the company representatives have said they don't agree with all of Mary's characterizations of her workplace. But they are listening to employee feedback. I wanted to talk to Mary Gundel about getting all this started on TikTok. And are you on your way to your car now?
1: Yes, I am now in my car. You're
0: in your car. You're in your personal recording studio.
1: Yes, (laughs) ma'am.
0: Yes. (laughs) When I reached Mary, she had just attended an in-person put-in-a-ticket rally in central Tennessee where Dollar General shareholders were having their annual meeting. She was now back in her home in Tampa, Florida. It had been a 10-plus-hour trip both ways.
1: I drove up with my Old assistant manager, she actually just left Dollar General last week. My old sales associate, Faith, and my daughter, Lily.
0: Your daughter, Lily. How old's your daughter, Lily? Yeah.
1: She is seventeen.
0: Seventeen. So it's four women, three of whom used to work together. And yes. does Faith does she still work at Dollar General?
1: Uh no. She actually left the week that I was terminated. My entire team that actually worked with me at that store no longer works for the company at all.
0: Did they quit or were they fired?
1: Uh, They all quit.
0: Can you describe to me when you were on the road, the four of you, like what was the vibe in the car? What was the road trip like?
1: Honestly, everybody slept and I drove. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because we left, we left at like five o'clock in the morning. I see. I was driving and, you know, I just let him sleep. It was cool. I was just jamming to my music. Once we got to Atlanta and we stopped for lunch and everything. After that, we changed our clothes. You know, we were in night clothes because we left so early and we're like, we just want to be comfy. So we changed at the local McDonald's to proper attire. (laughs)
0: Joining Mary at the rally were current and former Dollar General workers, but also employees from other big retailers like Family Dollar, Dollar Tree, and Amazon. They were calling on Dollar General to improve working conditions and raise wages, which, according to a 2020 survey, are among the lowest among U.S. major retailers. It was a protest, but also like a big party.
1: We were holding signs and yelling and making noise. We also had, you know, a band. That was out there playing and so at the same time as we're chanting and we're saying our demands to the shareholders inside that building we're dancing and laughing and having a great time with everyone that was there
0: when you bring so many different kinds of people together what kind of music do you choose what kind of band was it
1: um we actually had a brass band from new orleans
0: oh that's the right choice
1: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs>
0: Mary was not the first person in her family to work at a corporate chain or in retail. Her mother was a district manager at a Waffle House, and her grandmother worked at a gift shop at the Kennedy Space Center.
1: The freeze-dried ice cream. I grew up eating a lot of that.
0: (laughs) Mary grew up and went to school in Titusville, Florida, a town on the eastern shore across from the Space Center. Her high school was even called Astronaut High School. But she didn't always live with her immediate family. She moved around.
1: then my grandmother and then foster care and then back to my mother. And, you know, so I was, I had a really rough childhood growing up.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I remember how that felt as as a little girl feeling like nobody ever, nobody cared. Nobody wanted me. I was just a problem.
0: And after high school, like what were you thinking you most wanted to do?
1: Honestly, at that point, I wasn't really... Thinking about what I wanted to do as per a career or a job, um, I was a young mother. I had my daughter when I was 16 years old Mm -hmm. um, with my ex-husband. We were high school sweethearts. Mm -hmm. And at that time, you know, we were, you know, just trying to make it. We were young parents. (laughs) Um, You know, we moved out on our own from our parents' residence very young. And so we've had a pretty, a pretty tough life, him and I, growing up and then trying to raise our children as we go. And we had our son when I turned 18. So we had two children before I was even
0: 20 years old. Oh.
1: Um, I did uh, finish high school, so I did graduate, um, which was nice.
0: And did you stay in a traditional high school environment? Like, how did you do childcare?
1: care? Um, yes, I did, actually. They have what they call the YES program. And it's basically a work at your own pace kind of program. Uh-huh. So that way I was in one class um all day instead of seven, um, trying to run all over the high school. Um, and then they also had daycare at the high school.
0: Was that your daughter Lily, who was on the road trip with you? Yes. Okay. Yes. You all have you all have done some stuff together. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. After high school, Mary got her associate's degree in psychology, but she and her husband ended up working a lot of different jobs to make money. At first, he worked construction, and she was a kitchen dietitian at a senior home.
1: We always had to work opposite schedules, so that way somebody was always at home with, you know, Lily and my son, and that's basically how we did it for so many years, where, you know, I was morning, he was night, or he was morning, I was night, I mean... It was rough, but we made it happen.
0: (laughs) And then her husband got a job at a local Sonic, the fast food chain, and suggested Mary talk to the manager and try to get a job there, too.
1: I went up there and I talked to him and, you know, I was hired on the spot. And within a month, I was basically put into a assistant manager position with the company. And then slowly but surely, I was, you know, basically running the place.
0: (laughs) um is that like part of your personality like since since you started working are you kind of somebody who just like becomes the person who runs the place pretty quickly
1: yes I don't know why Uh uh-huh it just happens that way
0: (laughs) what do you think it is how would you describe like what is it about you are you just is it because you had to take care of yourself as a kid and so you're really like self-sufficient and know what it takes or what do you think it is
1: I think it might just be my drive. It might be my willingness to learn. Um, I'm very open minded and I I catch on really quickly and I like to help people. So when I see, you know, my boss who at you know Sonic, for instance, Zoe, uh, she was an older lady and she had some medical issues and things like that and stress all the time about, oh man, I've got to get inventory done. And, you know, I knew that she wasn't feeling well and I knew she was going through stuff. And I'm like, you know, Zoe, don't worry about it. I'll do it. Um, and since then it just became, okay, well that's now Mary's job. Every Sunday now Mary does inventory, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, let me help you. Um, and then of course with, um, like the alarm systems and things like that going off at night. She lives 45 minutes away. I live 10 minutes down the road. And I'm like, well, Zoe, you know, just have them call me. I can get there a lot faster than you can, you know? So I've always just been that type of person that wants to help. Like if I see someone struggling, I want to help you. Let me help you make your job easier.
0: Hmm. When when you were like, Those years you were working at Sonic and and kind of managing all those things and managing your household and managing the schedules, everything worked together. Um, How how would you describe your politics?
1: To be honest with you, I'm not even going to lie. I have been a registered voter since I was 18 years old, and I have never cast a single ballot.
0: (gasps) Mary, is that true? That is true. You've never, ever, ever voted. And you live in Florida, the state that gets to decide the presidency? Like, and you just haven't done it.
1: I have never done it. You know, I'm just one person. I never felt like I could make a difference anywhere. No one has ever made me feel like I was important, you know, to be able to make a big decision like that or that my voice was ever important. So, you know, me putting my name on a ballot card, I mean, you know, does that mean that, you know, my voice is actually getting heard? You know, I don't know.
0: Do you think you'll vote in the next election?
1: Uh, I just might. I just
0: might.
1: Uh I mean, after this, when I posted my videos and everything, and how big it's gotten, I see exactly how big it actually can be, and how one person can make a difference.
0: Yeah, but the other thing that I think, Mary, is that it's not actually out of pattern for you. Like you've been changing the lives of people you've worked with and shown up for them and made a difference. But it just nobody publicly was noticing like nobody knew what you were doing for zoe at sonic you know
1: yeah well i mean the district manager cole did <laughs> <laughs> he quite a few times he was like he, was, he came in one morning and he's like good morning mary i'm like good morning he's like where's zoe and i'm like i don't know, <laughs> you know like, he's like oh okay and then he left and then he's like, All right, well, I'll see you later. And then he, he came back later that night. It was like nine o'clock at night. And he's like, You're still here? And I'm like, Yeah. He's like, You opened this morning, didn't you? I'm like, Yeah. yeah. And he's like, Why he's like, Why aren't you home with your, mm. you know, your your kids? And I'm like, Well, because I said, Zoe called, you know, said that she wasn't gonna be able to make it in today. And, you know, the person called out tonight, so I'm just you know, I'm here. And I was like, I have to open tomorrow morning too, so I'll be here at six AM.
0: Did he give you a raise on the spot? Yes, he did. <laughs> really? For real?
1: Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> All right, that
0: was a cynical question for me. Go, go, that, Cole,
1: yes, the right thing. <laughs> yes,
0: that's
1: where I got my additional 50 cents. So at that point I'll make $10. 10.50. <laughs>
0: yes. You're you're describing You're describing like you've had a busy adulthood. Like you've been raising kids, you've been working, you've been managing workplaces, you've been managing households, figuring out how it all works, um, you know how to keep it all going and how to take care of everybody in your unit, whether in your workplace or in your family. It seems, um, but I do want to ask you something. I notice about you when I when I see your TikTok videos, like you take care of yourself. You you have beautiful nails. You like like you have beautiful hair. Like. How have you fit that in to everything else?
1: Honestly, I barely have time.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. When when did that start? Like, have you, like, just, how? when did you start, like, being like, you know what? My nails need to be done. I need my hair Um, to look right.
1: I'd say over the last, um, year or two. Oh,
0: really? Recent?
1: uh, Yes, yes. Really recent, um, because I, I, I've i had some um, difficult things happen in my life with my ex-husband of 12 years. And I, I don't want to say that I was a victim of domestic abuse because I wasn't. Um, but I was definitely manipulated and molded into a person that I wasn't within that relationship, I was not allowed to express myself. I was not allowed to use heat on my hair. I was not allowed to color my hair. I was not allowed to wear certain things. If I did wear a dress, I had to have shorts underneath. My dress had to be past my knees. Mm -hmm. I was not allowed to wear makeup very often. And uh, so once that relationship ended, I kind of went on a journey the last six years since my marriage ended to find myself again. Uh, And it was kind of hard for me to try to get out of my shell because some of the things that I would do, I'd feel uncomfortable. Like the first time I used a curling iron on my hair after my marriage ended, I was waiting to get yelled at. Hmm. Um, So I would say that transition has definitely bloomed full force over the last two years because now I am more comfortable and confident being able to do those things for myself that I have never been able to do in my entire life.
0: Mm. It's your freedom. Yes. Coming up, we talk about starting a new job at Dollar General and what led Mary to say enough is enough.
1: Honestly, I've never even thought about a union when all of this happened and I started doing research and all of that on my own. I was just like, wow, like this is what these people need.
0: Like many of you, we are thinking a lot about how Roe v. Wade may change in the United States in a few weeks from now, when the Supreme Court is expected to release their latest ruling on abortion. If it is consistent with the draft opinion that circulated in early May, the United States may have a totally changed legal landscape, different than anything I've known in my lifetime. And so we are wondering from you, are you doing anything differently right now? Are you buying emergency contraception to store up in your closet? Are you talking about birth control more explicitly with partners or people you love of childbearing age? I talked to someone recently who decided to let go of two embryos that were in frozen storage after IVF. It was a tough decision, but she wanted to make sure that she and her partner got to decide, not some change in the legal framework. We particularly want to hear from you if you live in a state where local laws will make abortion more restricted than the Supreme Court currently allows. Or maybe you've had to travel for an abortion or reproductive health care already, even with Roe in place. What was that like? Or if you grew up in the U.S. when abortion was not protected by the Supreme Court, what are the stories you want a new generation to hear? Record a voice memo and send it to us. Tell us what you are doing and what you are talking about. Email us at deathsexmoney at wnyc.org. This episode is brought to you by Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure— This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. Mary Gundl got divorced in 2015 and found herself a single mom with three kids. Her youngest son was diagnosed with autism right as that marriage was ending. He was four, and Mary took a job working from home doing IT calls for DirecTV to keep an eye on him. It was hard and lonely. On her first New Year's Eve alone, she found herself perusing an online chat room.
1: It used to be like lost cherry or something like that. But I think now it's like cherry tap.
0: She wanted to make a connection.
1: I was sitting at home and my kids were, you know, obviously in bed. It's New Year's and I'm lonely and I'm sad. And I'm still crying like every day at this point. Um, my husband, my current husband, you know, he was on there. And uh, I, you know, just wrote in, you know, his little chat and I was like, hi you know just saying hi to everybody (laughs) and he ended up writing me back and so we started talking that night so we we spent new our first new years together on the video chat and the next morning i woke up to a good morning beautiful i hope you have a wonderful day i'm off to work you know hopefully we could talk later i see and that was basically where that began i see and so he was kind of my rock and my friend and he was kind of my savior (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: I just want to, um, pause and acknowledge Lost Cherry is quite a name. (laughs) 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 In a couple of weeks, Mary's new love interest flew from Colorado, where he lived, and came and visited her in Georgia. She introduced him to close friends, who gave him the seal of approval.
1: He's like, I can't, you know, imagine my life without you at this point. And he's just like, it's crazy. And so by the end of April, he bought a one-way ticket and moved out to Georgia to be with me.
0: Her kids liked him, too.
1: My youngest son, who is autistic, doesn't, you know, know anybody else's dad.
0: They married in 2018. And a year later, Mary got her first job at a Dollar General in Georgia. She was hired as a store manager. And she says one of the first things she noticed was the lack of official training.
1: I didn't even know what I was doing. I mean, like, my team at that store had to show me, their boss, how to check in a vendor, how to run the register and do a return.
0: But Mary's store thrived. She was eventually moved to a Dollar General in Tampa, in a neighborhood where Mary did not always feel safe in the store.
1: It was so bad. It was every day. I, I was calling the cops basically every single day for, you know, people loading up bags or, um, you know, loading stuff into a cart and just walking out the door. Uh, I was threatened with a knife by a customer that was cussing out my cashier because I stepped in between the cashier and them to remove her from the situation because she was basically in tears. And I would much rather take the brunt of that because I'm the manager and, you know, I'll deal with it. Um, I was sexually assaulted in my car when I was getting ready to leave the building. What do you mean? I was getting ready to leave, that store closed at 10 o'clock at night. And so as I was getting ready to pull out of the parking lot, a gentleman pulled into the parking lot and came over to my car and reached in my window. And one hand went straight down my shirt and the other one grabbed the back of my head like my hair. And he was trying to pull me through my window.
0: Oh, my goodness. And what what were you told to do by your managers um, when there was something violent happening?
1: Uh, Well, of course, you call the cops and, you know, you put in a ticket, basically letting corporate know that we're having issues with, you know, violent customers in our location. And we're having issues with shoplifting in our stores and stuff like that, because they say the more tickets we put in on the same situation, the more it lets corporate know so that way they can address and fix the problem. So every time someone was to shoplift in my store, I was supposed to put in a ticket. Every single time I got threatened, I was supposed to put in a ticket.
0: After Mary was assaulted, she told her boss she was quitting. He told her he'd move her to a bigger store in a better part of town. This store had produce, which meant more deliveries and more responsibility. And Mary was excited. She had seven employees to manage and 198 hours to pay out. The catch? This new store had been neglected. And Mary had a lot to get done to bring it up to her standards.
1: Three weeks, we had it basically completely cleaned up. There was no more boxes in the aisles, no more roll tainers on the floor. The aisles were finally clean and clear. What would you say on the floor? Uh, roll tainers. What's that? They're the metal carts with all the product in it.
0: I see. I see.
1: Yeah. Um... And so within those first three weeks that I was there, I had all the the payroll that he told me that I had. But then all of a sudden, it was like overnight things are changing. Like I went from 198 hours every single week for the first month to, okay, well, now you've got 180. And I'm like, okay, 180. All right. So they cut
0: the number of hours. So the number of people you can pay. So you're cutting people's hours that work for you. And you're also making it harder to run the store because there's fewer people in the building at the same time. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes,
1: absolutely. 100%. So, you know, the next week my labor was 180 and I, you know, I didn't say anything. I'm like, okay, you know, whatever, like, you know, I can manage that. But then the next week after that, it was 170. And then it went to 160. And I'm like, Okay, now what's going on? Like at this point, this is when I started talking to my boss. And uh, so he was just basically stating that, you know, ev- they're cutting labor everywhere right now. I mean, there was this excuse after excuse after excuse. And then all of a sudden it went from 160 to 134. Wow. And so I'm like, really? 130 hours. And I do this much business. My trucks are still huge. You know, my produce is still, like, everything is still the same from when I was getting 198 hours. My workload is still the same. And now I'm stuck at the store by myself. And they're like, oh, well, you know, we need you guys to sign off on your price changes. And I'm like, dude, there was 50 pages of price changes. The price changes aren't getting done today. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm human. Yeah, I am not a robot and I would like to be home, you know, at some time today.
0: <laughs> and were you paid overtime or sa- like, were you paid hourly?
1: No, we were, I'm a salaried worker. So it didn't matter how many hours I worked. I see. I would still get paid the same amount every week.
0: And what, what would change at your home when you were having to work more hours?
1: My husband was definitely frustrated because I was home less and less my days off were far few and in between. Um, my husband and I actually separated, um, for about six months, um, this past year, um, because he just felt like all I cared about was my job. And now I can't, you know, tell him that I don't agree because at that point in time, I, I was that way. I was very career driven. I was all about Dollar General. I was all about, you know, being the best that I could be and being able to go somewhere in the company to set up a better life for my children than what I had.
0: When you made that first TikTok video, when you'd had it, uh, when did you notice that people were watching it?
1: Um. I would say right around the time where my assistant manager came in. Um, She came in at two o'clock that day. And so I went outside to take a quick smoke break. And I just went on to TikTok and I seen how many views it had. And I think I even made a TikTok video after that stating that I had just told my assistant manager I'm probably getting fired now because of how many views and shares it got.
0: How many was it that first time you looked?
1: Uh, it was over 600,000 views within just a few hours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, yeah. Did you see that and think like, were you, did it feel like, oh my gosh, this is exciting? Or did it feel like, what have I done?
1: It, it was kind of a mix of all that. It was kind of excitement Because it was like, oh, that's so cool. You know, people are actually, you know, paying attention to what I said. But at the same time, it was like, holy shit, I probably just totally lost my job.
0: Mm.
1: Like 100%. Like there's no coming back from this now.
0: Was there any part of you that felt, did it feel like when you left your first marriage? Was there a sort of like, there's no undoing this. This is a clear before and after. Did it feel at all like when you realized you could use a curling iron for the first time, when you realized you could live in a different way than you had during your first marriage?
1: It kind of did. It kind of did. I guess I never really looked at it that way. But yeah, it did. And, you know, now that I am without Dollar General, it's it's almost like the same feeling I felt when my marriage ended. Like I'm realizing everything that I was dealing with, with dollar general. And I I see all of the things that the company does to make you feel like you're so special and you're so appreciate, appreciated. Like they give you just these little bitty bitty things, you know, that just keep you holding on and keep you fighting and keep you working and keep you there. But in the end, you're, you're just so disposable and you don't matter.
0: Well, and it sounds kind of complicated because on the one hand, you now sort of see clearly that some, some rules you were trying to live by were rigged in a way that weren't going to allow you to succeed. Like you see right. that, but you right. also see like... It sounds like you were trying to do right by the people who worked for you as a manager, you know, and like those relationships were not fake or not, you know, they were real. Those are real people. Oh, oh
1: yes, absolutely. All I still, I still talk to my team that I worked with in Georgia three years ago.
0: Oh, really? I still
1: talk. Oh, yeah,
0: what do they make of what's happened in your life, Mary?
1: <laughs> oh, dude, they are so happy. They are so proud. <laughs>
0: do you think of yourself as TikTok famous?
1: My daughter says I am, but I mean, I I don't even really, I never really even thought about it, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, when I meet people, like I was at the rally and I've had, I had a bunch of people come up to me and they're like, you're Mary from TikTok. You're famous. I need to get a picture. And I'm like, okay, you know, but do I consider myself famous and high and mighty and all these things, no, because I've never been that way. And I think that's one reason why I make connections the way I do is because even though I'm your boss, that's just the title. I'm not better than you. I mean, I'm not better than anyone else. You know, my sales associate that's running my register, she could probably do my job as long as I showed her and I guided her and led her in the right direction. You know, the only thing that makes me your boss is because I have a little bit more knowledge and a little bit more background, but at the same once we walk out this building, we are the same exact people. I go and eat at McDonald's just like you do.
0: You know, Mary, I I grew up in West Virginia. And one thing that that you're sort of taught growing up in West Virginia is that it's really important to make sure everybody, you know, the, that's something we say, like, I don't think I'm any better than anybody else. And that's like a really important thing. You don't want to be viewed as a snob, you know. Right. Um, but let me just suggest that you could be TikTok famous, not because you think you're better than anybody else, but because you deserve to be heard.
1: Yes, but doesn't everybody?
0: Yes. (laughs) But nobody was listening to you. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) They're listening to me now. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's Mary Gundl in Tampa, Florida. Since she got fired from Dollar General, she's been driving for Lyft and Uber to make money.
1: One day, yeah, I can make 250 bucks, but then the next day I'll be lucky if I can bring home 100, you know?
0: And she's still organizing. She plans to file soon to create a new labor organization in Florida called Put In A Ticket. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. This episode was produced by Zoe Azoulay. The rest of our team is Julia Furlon, Afi Yellow Duke, Emily Boutine, and Andrew Dunn. Our intern is Lily Clark. The Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. I'm on Instagram at Anna picks that's P-I-C-S. The show is at DeathSexMoney on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you to Felicia Yu in Washington State for being a sustaining member of Death, Sex, and Money. Join Felicia and support what we do here by going to deathsexmoney.org donate.
1: You know, my therapist just kept telling me and she's just like, you know, people are going to judge you and they're going to look at you however they want to. But just know their opinions are invalid unless they have been through it themselves
0: love that therapist.
1: Until, in, <laughs> <laughs> until they are in your shoes,
0: Tell them to stuff it.
1: Yes, basically.
0: I'm Anna Sale and this is Death, Sex and Money from WNYC.